What is God calling you to? Is it connecting with God through reading his word or falling on your knees in worship and prayer? Maybe he's asking you to join a community or begin that ministry he put on your heart. How do I take the next steps from just attending church to becoming an active member of the body of Christ? What does it mean to become fully transformed in the image of Christ? Whatever it is, let us press on, press toward, and let us press in to what God has called us. Good morning, Colonial Woods. Great to see you this morning. If you're online, I don't see you, but it's glad you're with us this morning. And help me out, would you? Turn to somebody near you and say, it's gorgeous outside. Do that, would you? It's gorgeous outside. Man, it's beautiful. Sun, man, in the middle of February, I will take it. And Tammy and I, uh, this last week, were at a uh, conference with some other pastors down in Florida, and we were able to see her mom and dad real quick and flew in from Sarasota yesterday. I'll tell you, the only difference between Flint, Michigan, and Sarasota is about 30 degrees. That's about it, you know. So anyway, great to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you take them and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. going to continue a series that we have uh, entitled Press In. It really is a theme. It's why you see all the little posters on the wall and the little press in cards out in the foyer and there's cards up here. What am I pressing into God for? I'm pressing into his presence. I'm coming into the holy of holies past all the distractions. And we talked about pressing past the crowd to touch the hem of the garment of Christ where we find transformation and intimacy and change in our lives. In our first week together, we talked about how prayer is the avenue of coming into the Lord's presence and then his word that following week. And then the last time I was with you, we talked about the importance of community, the community of believers, whether it be in a, a larger setting like this or a smaller setting, but having people in our life because sometimes they share and see things we don't see and sometimes they have strength we don't have and sometimes we have the strength but we need each other and it's the power of community. I had somebody last night text me uh, from the church and, and uh, a friend of mine and he said, uh, hey, pastor, he said, uh, we ought to be as excited <clears throat> about church as we are the Super Bowl because Super Bowl's tonight. And he said, so every time you make a good point tomorrow, I'm going to pour Gatorade over your head. So uh, uh, we've got security on alert out there and he's already being watched. And uh, no, but it is the Super Bowl. And I've always thought about, I don't know if I ever have, I don't think I've ever done a particular message built around the Super Bowl, but I always thought it'd be really neat to do it. It'd be easy to do, by the way. There are so many lessons that you learn from football and the Super Bowl and that kind of a thing. For example, uh, don't spike the ball too early. You've ever seen a guy who spiked the ball and he wasn't in the end zone yet. And, and uh, don't outrun your pass coverage or uh, your coverage. It's this idea. Don't go it alone. You need people around you. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, we learned a great lesson. Uh, it was a Damar Hamlin, I think that's his name, uh, young man, 24 years old, had a cardiac arrest on the field. Shocked everybody, just it shocked the nation. By the way, it's not the first time that's ever happened. The response was, was so great around the nation for that. But you ever notice that when, when you have an injured player you take a knee, you take a knee, and it's a sign of support. It's a sign of, of kind of stepping back. And you know what? There's a game where we're really important about life, but when life happens, you take a pause. You take a pause. You support 
the one who's injured. And, and Tammy and I want to thank you for taking a knee with us, uh, recent loss of my mom. Uh, we've had so many cards. In fact, we're still working through the cards. Uh, we didn't want to be in those things where we're just zipping through them, and so we take a few, and we kind of just kind of pause and think about the family, and then folks have talked to us out here. So thank you so much for your kindness as uh, kind of taking a knee with an injury on the field. But what I want to talk about today is the power of the team. Because if we learn anything in football or team sports is that together we can do way more than we'd ever do apart. And, and I, I believe that's true about the church. In fact, that, that's why I, I love area churches. I, I don't feel like we're in competition. I, I feel like we're in cooperation together. Uh, in the harvest field and life-giving churches. Man, I pray blessing upon them and love to hear what God is doing in them. But here in this local body, the Ephesians chapter 4 passage is one that I want to press into today because I want to talk about how God, how we actually press in to the Lord when we minister into the lives of others. It's a counterintuitive thought, but it's one of those things, it's kind of like giving. Um, I, I tell people all the time that when you give and you're generous, um, I don't know how to prove it to you, but God knows how to provide supernaturally the needs in your life. And it's one of those things that you can talk about all you want, but until you do it and experience God's provision in your life, it, you don't quite believe it. It's so counterintuitive. Serving's that way. And Paul is speaking to the church in, Ephesians, uh, in Ephes uh, Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, he says this. He talks about unity. He talks about how we're one uh, <clears throat> in the first six verses. Then he says, but to each one of us, grace has been uh, given as Christ apportioned it. The Message Bible says it this way. He says, um, uh, everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. But that doesn't mean that you should all look and speak and act the same. Out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given his own gift. I really like that version. I love how he says that. But he says this. He says, um, he says, it was he, verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles. Those are individuals who are able to go and advance the gospel into new areas and give oversight to the church and the churches there. Uh, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets. These are individuals who tend to say, this is the now word of God. This is what God is saying to us. Thus saith the Lord. Um, some to be evangelists. These are individuals who are great at helping people step into a relationship with Christ and just have the ability to, to build that relationship. And then it says, and some to be pastors and teachers, shepherds and instructors and edifiers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's a phrase. The what God wants in us is to, ha is to have the full measure of the fullness of Christ in our lives. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. And from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. 
Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, it's one of the four primary passages in, in the New Testament which addresses the whole things of gifts. And today is not specifically about gifts, but it involves using our spiritual gifts. And whenever we talk about spiritual gifts, it's hard for me not to give you the four passages. It's Ephesians 4. It's 1, Peter's 4, uh, 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4 deals primarily with hospitality and using what we have to bless others in the body. And then you've got Romans chapter 12, and then you've got 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And those talk a lot about this whole thing of spiritual gifting. But, what, but, what, but spiritual gifts, the enabling of the Holy Spirit for the, the encouragement and the building up of the body is really about ministering and investing and serving into the lives of others. Spiritual gifts are those gifts that God gives us that the only way you're ever really going to be able to enjoy them and be blessed by them is by giving them away. Isn't that just like God? God says the only way you can, uh, you can really enjoy this gift that I'm giving you is if you give it away into the lives of others. That sounds a lot like how God works. God is calling us to engage. God calls us to minister and to serve into other people's lives. Why? Well, Number one, and this is just a quick one, it's because he says so. <laughs> we, we minister, right? We serve into the life of others and we engage in ministry because God expects us to. Now, I, I'm not trying to be facetious, but it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. He says it in the very last verse. He says, um, we are, we are uh, from him, the whole body, we're the body, right? Where the body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament as, uh, uh, as it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God expects us to use what he's given us. Just like God expects us with our finances or our resources to be generous and to bless others and to care for others, God expects us as he has given us the giftings and abilities and enablings, God expects us to invest that into the life of others. And you're saying, well, why? Because he said so. And I know that sounds kind of goofy, but there are a lot of things that as believers, we do it because God asks us to do it. Um, God wants us to love others, right? He's called us, he loves us, he wants us to love others. God wants us to be generous givers. Why? Because, because as we give, God blesses us, but he also, uh, it's an obedience factor. And the same thing with this whole thing of gifting, that, that it's an obedience factor. But one of them, the biggest ones is because I just want to be like Jesus. And John chapter 13, and we don't have time to go into that passage, but in John 13, it is, it is for me one of the absolute, my favorite passages about Jesus, but to me it also is one of the greatest descriptors of what it means to be a pastor, a leader, and it's where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And it says in John chapter 13 that as an expression of his love, Jesus took off his outer garment, put a towel around his waist, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And that passage has always impacted me because here's the king of the universe, here's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and as he does this, he says, what I have done for you, I want you to do for each other. Real simple. If you're going to be like me, the greatness and others are going to know that you're my disciples, not by how well you sing, although this morning was phenomenal. And it's not how well you teach or preach or how many of you can get into a building or how much you do out in the... No, no, no. People are going to know 
that you're my disciples by how you love one another. And when we serve, when we engage, when we minister into the life of others, that's an expression of our love, not only for them, but also for the Lord. So, so it's kind of simple. We, we do it because he expects us to. But the second one is where I want to hunker in a little bit because we use our giftings. We engage in ministry. And I'm going to keep using all different kinds of words because this is not about you picking up a particular ministry at Colonial Woods. It's about a heart to see the harvest field and to realize that wherever it is, whether it be your neighborhood, your workplace, into the community, into community organizations, or here at Colonial Woods, that you engage and use what God has given you, it is the primary plan to build the body of Christ that God has given us. It's plan A. Notice what he says in this passage. It was he who gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers. But notice what, what those are all about to prepare God's people. The job of an apostle, the job of a pastor, the, the job of a teacher, the job of a, of, 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 a, of a prophet or evangelist is not to do it, it's to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. That's the, that's the call. The goal is that we all are doing whatever the piece of the puzzle is that God has for us in the body of Christ, that the body of Christ might be built up. I love that phrase, the body. I use the word family a lot. We talk about how the church is a family, and that's one of the key words that God uses to describe the church. But I love the body. In fact, in our last church, everything we did was about the body. We had uh, bodybuilding classes. Um, our, uh, our church newsletter was called The Body Line. Um, our, our small groups were called um, body groups, body groups or something like that. Everything was about the body because we're all different parts of the body, fingers and toes and, and legs, and, but Jesus is the head and we all need each other in, in order to fulfill what God has called us to do. And God's primary plan is to reach the world through the body of Christ. In fact, I put that down as kind of the sub-point there, three truths. We are the greatest conduit of God's grace into the world around us. And you may disagree with that, and that's fine. You can disagree with that, but biblically, that is what it says. You're saying, well, God doesn't need, God doesn't need us to show his grace. God shows his grace every day. And you're right, God doesn't need us. But God has said he is going to use us. And so when he called his disciples, and then he says, and by the way, everyone, the disciples, as they disciple, as they multiply, that is how we are going to reach the world. And it is very humbling to think about, I don't know about you, but for me, when I think about how far I fall short, to think about the fact that God says you are my primary conduit of grace into this world. A little bit ago, I was back in my office and I was thinking about how many things in the world exist because of Christians. Do you know that Christians are at the very heart of the entire hospital system? We have hospitals today. You're saying, well, wait a minute, not every, Christ, not every hospital is a Christian hospital. Yeah, but the first hospitals were Christian. Believers ministering to people who were hurting when everybody else just kind of fled, believers moved in and said, we've got to find a way 
to care for people who are hurting. That's why when every time you see a, a Mercy Hospital or you see a Lutheran Hospital or you see a Methodist Hospital, they may not be primarily Christian in nature today, but that's how they were founded. Hundreds, thousands of hospitals begun that way. Universities, Harvard, uh, Princeton. You're saying, well, those aren't Christian universities. They started off as seminaries. So even in the education, and when you began to follow the impact, I know people love to rail on the church. I know they love, and we buy into it, right? I mean, we, and by the way, we probably have a good reason to be railed on at times, but there are so many agents of grace in the world because believers being led by the Spirit of God said, we have to be the love of Jesus Christ in this world. So we're Grace. Conduits of grace. In fact, let me, go, let me make this even more personal. Are you the conduit of grace in your workplace? Not the guy in everybody's face, but the conduit of grace. There you go. Write that down. That's good. I like that. Are you the conduit of grace into your neighborhood, into your neighbor's life? It's God's grace, but you're simply the vessel through whom he chooses to do so. Or are you the conduit of grace into your children's lives? Are you the conduit of grace into your spouse's life? I've told you uh, several times, it's not a surprise to her, but over the last two years, I've been praying every day that Lord, uh, for Tammy today, I, I pray that she would feel cherished. And I'm asking for you to help me be that conduit that she feels cherished through me. We're the primary way grace reaches into the world, but also this whole thing of serving and ministering is the greatest agent of growth for believers ourselves. And not just for others. You're saying, well, what do you mean, Pastor? I mean, as we teach, they grow. Yeah, but it's interesting that as we step out in faith and encourage and we use whatever giftings God has given to us, all gifts, primary intention is for the edification, for the building up of the body first. And so, um, for example, maybe I step into an area that I don't really feel very equipped in, but I feel led to do so. And so as I begin to step into that, I'm operating in faith. And then as I step into that, I'm now depending on the Holy Spirit to help me. And now as I begin to see fruit from that, I'm celebrating in Christ. Notice the growth that's taking place in my life as I step out and begin to minister into areas. And so it's one of the greatest ways that we grow. That's why he said in this passage, you notice what he says. He said, um, until we all reach unity in the faith and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth. And he, he goes through this passage and he talks about how that when we do this, believers grow and we grow. And again, it's one of the most counterintuitive things in the world that as you give yourself away, God does more and more in your own life. But it's also one of the greatest ways that God just brings glory to himself. Great passage in Ephesians, which is really a continuation of this. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 8 through 10. Well-known passage. Here's what he says. He says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation is the gift of God. You can't earn it. You'll never deserve it. But here's what he says. And it's not by works. So you can't somehow demand payment for it so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship. I love that phrase. We are God's workmanship. Say that with me, would you? We are God's workmanship. Let me put it a different way. We are God's masterpiece on display. Say that with me, would you? We are God's masterpiece on display, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That word workmanship means masterpiece on display. It's like a a master painting painted by an artist on display. Uh, The piano, the guitar, the drums, the keyboard. We don't sit here on a Sunday morning hopefully going, great job piano. Wonderful job acoustic guitar. No, those are instruments. It's the artist behind those instruments that we see. Um, when we uh, have a, a, if you're a carpenter and you build this wonderful cabinetry, you don't sit here and go, wow, those, oh, bookshelves, you're amazing. No, it's the, it's the artist behind that. And so God has prepared for us, it says, works of service in advance. I don't know what they all are, although I kind of got a clue by now, but, but God has designed me to minister into the life of the body and into the area of people in my life so that he gets glory. Don't applaud me. Don't applaud the instrument. It's the master artist behind it that gets the glory. And God says that when you love into people's lives and you serve into people's lives, it's kind of a false narrative. And I don't shut people down on this when they say, hey, great job or thank you so much. But what I understand is, is I didn't do this because I'm a great guy, because I'm frankly, I'm not. I do this because Christ's love has transformed my life, and I just want to be a conduit to bring him glory into the lives of others. Does that make sense? That, that's, that's, that's what God's designed us for. It's kind of like, um, I'm not much of an investor. I, I'm really not. I, uh, I had a young pastor come in one time and said, hey, uh, Pastor Phil, I really want to learn about investment, and you seem to be really involved in this, and can you give me any advice? And this was my advice. I said, oh, sure, sit down. I said, let me give you a great piece of advice. Whatever I do, do the opposite. <laughs> I'm horrible. I'm not a stocks guy. I'm not good at stocks. I just don't care enough. I, I know everybody's on Robin Hood and all that stuff. I just don't care. I, I don't care enough to, to do all the research and stuff. So what I tend to invest in are funds or mutual funds. That's probably the primary way that I do. You know what I'm talking about, mutual funds? A lot of you are in them. You got them in your 401k, 403b or whatever else you have. And you invest in those things. And so what it does is you invest in one area and it diversifies it out into a lot of different areas. And so they're the ones that are into the stocks and all that stuff. And I know, I know some of you, oh, you're missing something here, Pastor. You ought to be doing, yeah, I, I know, I know. But uh, I have other things that I do invest in. I do a little bit, but that's, that's where I primarily invest. I think of the kingdom of God as like the greatest mutual fund in the world. 
Because as I invest in the, as I invest, my, prayer, my primary place of investment is you guys. That's my primary place. And so as I invest into the body of Christ, I'm looking around and I'm saying, hey, Jeff, I'm investing in you. I want you now to go and invest wisely. I'm trusting you. John, I'm trusting you. Ryan, I'm trusting you. Kyle, I'm trusting you. Christian, I'm trusting you. Ann, I'm trusting you. I, I, I'm investing, right? I'm trying to build. I'm trying to build into the body. And now the body of Christ goes out. And by the way, you do it all the time too. Whether it be into your kids or into the lives or your small group. And maybe you are more in a smaller mutual fund, but that's kind of how we do it. It's one of the reasons that we invest so much um, and believe so much in our internship ministry. Man, I tell you what, it, it's an investment. Uh, last year we had, I think, six young people, and then we had Taylor come in. She's doing our practicum with us through our BU at uh, CW, which is our Bethel University at, at uh, Colonial Woods, and, and we've got individuals who come in for transition and ministry positions, and, and all about that is we are investing in them and as an internship and into their ministries so that someday they're probably going to end up going out from here, because to be honest with you, we can't hire every... We've had over 60-some interns in the last 15, 16 years. We're not going to hire all of them so you're saying well why do you even do that you don't get anything out of it oh but the kingdom does because they've had a good experience and they've grown and they've learned and frankly we're very gracious they didn't get their they didn't get discouraged in the whole thing and, and now as they're ministering into the kingdom of God I have no idea where they're all ministering but we're part of it and that's that whole idea of giving my life away. And you're saying, well, but pastor, you're a pastor. You're supposed to do that. No, all of us are supposed to do that. To build God's people. I do it differently. I happen to be called a pastor. But wherever it is God is gifting and calling you, he wants all of us to minister. And number three, the third reason that we give and serve and minister is because it is the greatest way I know to battle consumerism and self-centeredness in my life. I never want to underestimate how self-centered I can be. And all of us kind of naturally are. It's in us. I'll prove it to you. How many of you used to be a baby? Raise your hand. <laughs> How many of you as a baby cried? Right? <laughs> feed, feed the other person in the room. They're hungry. Babies don't cry like that, right? Wee. <laughs> His diaper needs change. No, it's us. We, we cry because we need it, right? We're kind of born that way, just the way we are. It's in us. I happen to think it's kind of the scent of uh, the sin nature in us. It's all about us. And, so, and self-centeredness in my life, you're saying, Pastor, how can you be that? You're a pastor. You can't be self-centered. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can because I can get into that attitude. That's why one of the things that I try to do, and I'm not going to tell you what they are because then I would feel like it's self-serving, but I try to find ways to minister that have nothing to do with my job. Why? Because I have to keep developing a selfless spirit, the Jesus spirit, the washing the feet of the disciples spirit. 
I need it. And consumerism is this attitude, what's in it for me? Paul says, when we grow and we begin to invest and use our giftings, we'll no longer be infants. Eh. (laughs) Tossed back and forth. This isn't an accusation. (laughs) This is a full disclosure of my my challenges. And so as I begin to model Christ and give my life away and invest my life, I don't know how to prove it to you. I don't know. I'll never be able. It will not calculate. This is, this is not calculations that make sense. But as you do it, you will be shocked at how it draws you closer to the hem of Jesus. Wesley, my son, uh, youngest son, just moved to uh, Arizona, Scottsdale specifically. And uh, what, two days, three days after Christmas, we loaded up the little uh, Ford Focus, packed it to the gills, 33 hours on the road. We stopped, we stayed at hotels, and we just had a great time. He wanted to hear my life story, and so I, I tried to tell him everything about my life I could recall. And we got out there, and we started to move in. And, um, and, and Wesley, uh, because everything came together so quickly, it made more sense for him to have a roommate who was already there and so we found somebody with a townhouse and uh, they were uh, Wesley literally is coming in and just renting from that person and uh, have you ever noticed how pictures clean things up because pictures really nice but I will tell you I I noticed right away a little bit of dirt here and a lot of dirt there and things that hadn't been cleaned and and uh, we're not nuts about it but we're kind of we kind of you know we want clean things and and then I went into the bathroom. Oh, that was a buggy ride, let me tell you. And um, so by the second day, we had all of his furniture together and the bed was in place and we'd gone to Walmart and bought a whole bunch of stuff and we'd got everything on the walls and he was just kind of putting his stuff. Now, you gotta organize, right? Somebody else can help you for a while, but then it's just you. You gotta put it where you want it. And so um, went into the bathroom. There were things growing in, in the bathroom and I uh, didn't have a mop, but I, I got big old thing of uh, paper towel and, and then I got every kind of cleaner I could think of that would scorch the earth. It was like uh, Clorox sprayer and this and I did, I spray And I, I just, you ever go into a room and just go I mean, that's kind of what it was. It was like anything I could touch, it was yeah, I'm underneath the, I mean, there were things growing. I mean, it was crazy. I was behind the toilet and doing the floor, and I'm scouring the toilet and cleaning it and going to the shower. And I mean, I cleaned that shower three times. And, um, and uh, I did the whole thing at least twice. Fair disclosure, little self-centeredness here. I was gonna stay there that night and I had to use that shower. And so it was a little bit of that. And, uh, and so for this trip, I only took a pair of uh, light sweats to wear home on the plane and a pair of jeans. I was trying to keep everything really small because I was flying a, a Legion, real quick one on the way home. Plus we didn't have room. So I had just very little things to change into. 
put a clean t-shirt on, still had the same grimy jeans on. And we went out for our last evening. This would have been uh, New Year's Eve. Went out for a, a, an early dinner, and then we went to see a movie. And we were after that, we collapsed. And we get in the car, and we're on our way uh, to look for a restaurant. And Wesley looks over at me, and he says, Dad, I, I can't believe you cleaned that bathroom for me. And he said this. He said, I don't exactly know what it looks like to wash somebody's feet. But you were Jesus to me when you did that. He mentioned it a couple nights ago on the phone. Dad, I still can't believe you did that for me. And I, I did it because I love him. And that's the heart of engaging, giving our lives away. God has loved us. Now he's calling us to give and invest in others. So Father, thank you. If there's anything in this message that kind of hits me is that as I begin to step out is that you not only bless others, but Lord, you bless me so much more. Because it's like Satan um, tries to build in my life this, uh, this selfish consumer mentality. And as, I, as, I, as I'm a conduit into my family and into the lives of others and into the church and into the community, it, it, it just it, it takes back what the enemy's trying to, trying to steal. So thank you for the privilege of pressing in. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us as we worship? I count on one thing The same God who never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same god who's never late is working all things out is working all things out oh yes i will lift you high in the lowest valley yes i will bless your name oh yes i will sing for joy when my heart is heavy in all my days yes i will whatever it is that the lord is calling us to let that be our answer it's just yes i will god whatever it is God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me 
but a good word. You can grab a quick seat as we wrap things up here today. We just want to invite you not to just let this be a message that you listen to, but a message that you respond to. And as a person who's grown up at this church, I know my life has been different by all the people who have served here, who have given their time, who've taught me Sunday school, who've watched me when I was a little kid. And I know I'm different because of that. And so when you step into that opportunity to serve in the church, who knows what future lives you're touching by taking on that role of volunteering. And so if you would like to respond to this message, if you would like to serve here at the church, there's always lots of opportunities. In your bulletin today, there is an insert that has a QR code on it. All you have to do is use the camera on your phone and scan that, and it'll take you to a form that you can fill out. You can check the boxes of areas you might be interested in and helping out around here. Um, but we would just love to invite you to take that action step and not just let this be a message, but let this be something that leads to future transformation and future serving so that we can be conduits of God's grace. If Colonial Woods is your church home and if you would like to give towards the ministries that are happening around here, there's a couple ways that you can do that. There's um, our website, there's our app, there's text to give, and there's also the boxes that are located in the back. And so we thank you for your generosity as a church. And if you're new, if today is the first time you're joining us, well, welcome. We're so glad you decided to spend part of your weekend with us. And we actually have a gift for you, and we want to get to know you. So as you're headed out, make sure you stop by Guest Central. That way we can get to know you and say hello and give you that gift. And as we wrap things up here today, church, I just pray that you would be blessed. And that no matter where you go, in this building or outside of it, that you are serving others. Because serving is for our growth. It's for us to show grace to others, and it's for the glory of our good God. Church, you're dismissed. <laughs>